As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Something about being together, something about being in the house of the Lord. Are you ready to open up his word? Yes, well, hold on. I love the anxiousness. I want to welcome all those online. This is the first time I've been here for a full 9 a.m. worship in a while. And some of you know I do some teaching over in Wheaton at that location and then run here. I just want you to know that that was awesome. You're the best. This is my favorite service. And if you think I'm saying that to everybody, you're wrong. But seriously, it is so good to be together and so um. I want to start by um, going way back in the rearview mirror. And so uh, I remember when I first became a believer, and I was in the business world. Um, I was probably you know six or seven years in, out of college, just working. And um, a f- good friend of mine, uh, we were here in Chicago, and his um, sister died suddenly. She was a young professional, just loved by all, and it was like sudden. It was it was awful. And we all packed into this funeral. And you know that kind of funeral. I mean, where you can't explain it. It was she was too young. She had her whole life ahead of her. Like, what is happening? And I remember as a new believer, just kind of trying to read this room. And I, I remember so vividly, I was waiting for the pastor to share the gospel because he had such a receptive crowd. He had such a crowd that was ready and ripened. And that's what a funeral is. A funeral is an opportunity to share about a life lived and to think about our own lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. He didn't do it. And as I drove home, that experience changed the trajectory of my life. I was weeping on my way home. I I mean, and, and it wasn't. Please, don't hear me wrong. It was not about what he should or shouldn't have done. It was about what God was telling me that I should do. What I'm to be about. What I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to. And I heard it. You know, this is going to freak some people out. Don't leave the church over it, please. That's the one time where I heard it. Speak for me. Speak for me. I don't know, like I can't quite figure it out. Please, again, don't freak out. But I heard it, something. And so I quit my job. (laughs) I went to seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. After I graduated, I planted this church. I'm not saying that you got to quit your job you need to serve. That was actually the Lord to you right now. (laughs) Craig, was that good, Pastor Craig? But I'm not saying you gotta quit your job. I'm not saying that what, you gotta go to seminary. I'm not saying you gotta start a church. But I am saying, are you doing what God wants you to do in this season, in this time? That's what I wanna talk to you about. If you have a Bible, open up to Acts chapter 22. We have a 
crazy story in front of us of life change. We've got a lot of scripture that we need to get through. We've got a story of a man whose lives was changed. Title of the message is Save to Serve. If you're visiting with us, joining us first time online, we've been going through a series, and the series is called Together on Mission. We're looking at people in the New Testament who are fulfilling the mission of the church, gotta get this, by living out the values of the church. And so the challenge, the push on us is, in this August season, are we living out these values? Because that will accomplish the mission of the church. We looked at a woman, and oh, it was awesome, week number one, and she was one to worship. That was value number one. We looked at another woman, and this woman, it was like, the value was blessed to invest as she anointed Jesus before his death. This week, we got saved to serve. We're looking at a guy, and his story is incredible. I've got five characteristics. We're going to jump through quickly. Five characteristics, right small on the notes page. That was kind of a joke, but it's like I'm looking at that like, man, my, I write way too big for this notes page. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about these characters. The first one is this, five characteristics of people who are saved to serve. People who are saved to serve, they, they admit their need for God. They, they come to a realization that I need God. I, I need him in my life because it ain't working without him. Anybody been there? And the crowd was silent and the pastor wondered if the Holy Spirit was here. <laughs> but he knows the Holy Spirit is here, but the people are dead. Let me try that again. Anybody been there? We've been there. I know we have. It's that, it's that rock bottom moment. And, and so I got to set the text up because uh, Bible church, so get into your Bibles, open it up on your phone. Um, that's what I don't like about the phone though because I can't check you. I don't know what you're really looking at. <laughs> Acts 21, at the end of it, it sets it up. Imagine the apostle Paul's in chains and an orange jumpsuit. Suit. Isn't that what you see? That's what's going on. He started a riot. And if you look at the end of verse uh, chapter 21, he's got two groups of people that are extremely upset with him, the Jews and the Gentiles. He's got the Jews mad at him because he brought some of his Gentile friends into the temple and they're shouting at the end of verse 36, away with him or translation, kill him. And then he's got the Romans mad, and you can see the Roman guard is asking him the tribune in verse 37. He says, hey, may I say something to you? Do, you? do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 people? And, and so they're upset with him because they think he's a rebel rouser, and he started a war. He's standing there. Get the picture, man. He's imprisoned in chains. What's incredible about this is that the guard allows him to speak to this massive crowd. And so we're going to see in chapter 22, was that a good setup? We're going to see in chapter 22, this is what he said. Could you imagine speaking to that crowd in chains? And this is what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, hear the defense that I make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. So the reason was because he, they didn't think he could speak that language. He, he's a Jew, and, and he's speaking in their common language, earning their favor. And then so look what he says in verse 3. I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus, but brought up and educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Now that basically means he's giving his spiritual resume. It's like, you think you went to a good school? Harvard, Yale, I got you beat. That's what he's saying. Wheat and what? That's what he's saying. 
Wheaton College, huh? Taylor University, sorry, what? I mean, he's saying, no, man, like, like I went to the best of the best. And then I'm telling you, it's just crazy what, what happens next. And then he says, I was educated by, you know, I was in a strict manner of the law by our fathers. He's giving his resume, being zealous for God as all of you today. And so his zeal, catch this, sometimes, do you know a person like this? Sometimes our zeal can be misinformed. Sometimes our zeal can be uneducated. Sometimes our zeal can result in us doing some things that we regret because it's uninformed, it's uneducated. Think David Koresh. That's Paul. Look what he says next. I persecuted this way to the death. I binded the people, both men and women, and he delivered them over to prison. Like, are we recognizing this is Paul who is killing us? He's killing you and me. He's extinguishing the church. He's committing spiritual genocide against all those who are Christians as the church starts. Now do you see why this story is amazing? Because God's going to turn him, isn't he? We know that. God's going to turn this guy? He already has. That's why he's there. But he's telling how. And then it's just, it's, it's incredible. So he says, I persecuted the way to death, binding and delivering. Now the way, that's the reference. It's used five times in the, um, in the book of Acts. That's what they called the early church. So he's like, I'm the one that's persecuting them. And he's punishing them to death. But God changed his life. And that's what he's about to tell him. He's about to tell him his personal testimony because he saw his need for God through his uneducated, his uninformed, his overzealous nature that resulted him in actually not pleasing God. Let's not be like that with the wars that we wage against Christians. Let's just not follow that example. I love the story of Chuck Colson. He's a guy who saw his need for God. Got to go back in history for him. Chuck Colson was part of the Nixon presidency in 1974. He was the most hated man in Washington. They called him the hatchet man. There's another thing they called him, but I can't say it from the stage. But these were the guys. I mean, he was involved in Watergate. Did a report on it when I was in high school. And, and it was crazy what happened to him. Somebody gives him um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. He sees his need for God. He becomes a believer. He admits that he obstructed justice. And it wasn't like, yep, I'm guilty. And they put him in federal prison for seven years. While he's in prison, he gets out and he's like, I got to go back and help these people. I saw my need for God and I need to help them see their need for God too. He started prison fellowship, which goes on to this day, outlives him. It has just helped, I mean, countless numbers of incarcerated men and women to find God, their need for him in the lowest point of their life. I like how he says it. Let's get a quote from him. He says, but all at once I realized that it was not my success that God had used to enable me to help those in this prison or in hundreds of others just like it. My life success was not what made this morning so glorious. All my achievements, they meant nothing in God's economy. 
No, the real legacy of my life was my biggest failure. Let that sit. And then he said that, that I was an ex-convict. My greatest humiliation being sent to prison was the beginning of God's greatest use of my life. He chose the one thing in which I could not glory for his glory. Does that sound like the Apostle Paul? Yes. Is that you? Will he use your story of demise and failure and bankruptcy and marriage that is in crisis? Will he use that drug addiction, that unhealthy living and the habits for his glory? He wants to. That's what he wants. That's what this is about. That's what Paul sees. And then so the second characteristic of a person is this. And you're going to see it. People who are saved to serve, they acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I just thought I was imagining when I was going to say that point that like there was going to be an eruption of people that Jesus is Lord and Savior. You didn't do it, so let's just move on. But look at what he does next. He tells his personal testimony. If you're counting and you're looking through the book of Acts, this is the second of three times he's going to tell his story for God's glory. He's going to tell him what God did. He's going to tell about his biggest failure. And, and, and he tells it to this group of people while he's in chains. And, and so look what he says. He, he gets right into his personal testimony. In Acts chapter 22, verse, I'm just going to read it here because I can't find my place. He says, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who's that? Well, that's Jesus. And why does he call him Saul? Well, because that's his name. I thought Jesus changed his name to Paul. No, he didn't. Many Christians think this way. Don't go out of here and overzealously, well, don't correct people. He didn't change Paul's name. Paul's had two names, his Jewish name, and he had a Roman name. And so Saul is obviously his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. And so he's got two names. God didn't change it, although God changes a lot of names in the scripture, and Jesus changed some people's names. I think he just had so much to change in Paul. He's like, I can't, there's just too much here. But he says this, why are you persecuting me? And so slow down, Bible church, look at your Bibles, think what he's saying. Well, he's persecuting you in the church, not Jesus. Well, the reason Jesus says this is because Jesus and the church is one and the same. Think about it for a moment, that he's in us and we're in him. That's what the New Testament teaches. So when you do something against you, we do something against him. I'm telling you, that's earth shattering. And so Paul would later say, he would say in another place, he would say that, you know what, I, I share in his sufferings. And, and that's what Paul did because Jesus is in him and he is in Christ and that's the church. And so I love this because he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus identifies as him. And it's, I'm Jesus who you are persecuting. This is who you're persecuting. And he's like, I thought he was dead. And he, that's why he's an apostle, because Jesus was in bodily form right to them. Nobody any apostles anymore because nobody has seen the risen Lord yet. We'll all become apostles soon, maybe. But you got to see him in his physical presence. And I love this. I mean, it's just like 
Paul's like, who are you, Lord? And then his testimony, this is my favorite. He says this three times, his testimony. He packages it like this by saying two questions to Jesus. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? Oh, that's kind of on point. Save to sit, as Pastor Craig said? No. Save to mingle? No. Save to serve? Yes. We have an orange jumpsuit and chains ready for you. That's Paul. He, he, he's like, so, so he's, like, he's like, who are you, Lord? Next slide. What do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you. Now, think with me. Put your thinking caps on. Why didn't Jesus say, well, Paul, I'm telling you right now, Saul, I just want to inform you that you're going to be enlisted in my army. You're going to become the ambassador of the Gentiles. And I'm going to send you out. And what you're going to do is, you know, this is you just got saved and you're going to be used by me. And you're going to write half of the New Testament. You're going to go on three missionary journeys. You're going to do this. Uh, you know what? You're going to have this little, little, little conflict with this guy named Mark. You'll reconcile, hopefully. You're going to. Go on and do great things. You're going to go on these three missionary journeys. You're going to write half the New Testament. You're going to plant many, many churches. Uh, and by the way, you're going to get beheaded in Rome and die for me as a martyr. Why didn't he say that? I'm not joking. Catch this. We want the X, Y, Z before we take steps A, B, C. That's you, that's me. We want the X, Y, Z. We want the end game. How's this going to work out, God, if I take this step for you? If I get involved and do this, like what's it going to be the end game? It just doesn't work like that. I love how Martin Luther King Jr. said it. He said, faith is like a staircase and that what are we called to do? Well, we're called to do is faith is taking the first step even though you can't see the whole staircase. And so that's what Paul's doing because he's like, what do you want me to do, man? What do you want me to do? I mean, here we see in Paul's testimony, how do you know if he was a Christian? I tell you, like you can tell right here. You see the fruit of obedience and faith. Who are you, Lord? Once he figured out Lord, Lord means master in the Greek. It means master. He uses it four times if you're counting in this passage. It's like, you're the one in charge. I'm not. I wonder if it's because he had chains that he kind of figured out that he, he even knew that where he would finally end up. He didn't know where this journey was going to end when he started. And neither do we. Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? I mean, we're getting a front row seat to his conversion. Isn't it awesome? Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? I love when people respond that way to God. And over the years, I've seen many people respond that way to God. Once they figure out who he is, it's like, this is what, what do you want me to do for you? to expand your kingdom for your glory. That, that's what we see here with Paul. Third characteristic, good stuff so far? People who are saved to serve, they assist in spreading the gospel. So they're, they're gonna, 
you know, you're not going to do it all yourself. You're, you're going to assist in spreading the gospel. And so look with me at who comes in and on the scene. It says in verse 12, and one Ananias, a devout man. So Paul's blinded. He can't see. God doesn't give him the full development of the picture of what's going to happen. And so Ananias comes by. It says he's a devout man according to the law, well spoken of the Jews who live there. That tells us there's a lot of Ananiases. He's not the Ananias of Acts chapter 5. Why? Because he's dead. He got struck down, lying to the Holy Spirit. And this one is not dead. And he didn't get struck down by the Holy Spirit. And he actually, it says that he pleased people. He was devoted. That other one wasn't. And he came to Paul. And he said, Brother Saul, that's another thing we learn about Ananias. Ananias is coming to Paul's rescue and his aid, assisting and spreading the gospel. He's playing his role, his integral part in this. And what's interesting to me about this is he calls him brother. I mean, think about it. This is Paul's testimony. He's the first one to say, hey, dog, it's cool. You're one of us. He didn't have a proven track record. He was like, last week he was killing people like Ananias. And he had the faith to believe that God could change a life. Do you have the faith to believe that God can change a life? I have the faith to believe that God can change a life because he changed this one. And God, forgive me for not having the faith to believe that somebody is too far gone, even in my own home, family. God, forgive us for not having the faith to believe that you can do what we can't. That, that's the story. Well, you know what? Now that the thing that I did, I mean, doesn't sound too bad in light of what Paul's doing. Anybody there? <laughs> well, I ain't killing anyone. I, I mean, that's what we see happening. And so Ananias, it's actually very touching because his name so, so let's, let's go on to what he said first. So look at verse 14. He said, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one. And so double click on that righteous one. That's where Paul's learning that this is Jesus. Righteous one is used in, in Isaiah chapter 53, that same phraseology. So Paul knew his Bible better than anyone. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he's like, it's Jesus. Like it's all coming together for him. And and, and that's who it was. That's who it is. And he's alive. And he said, I heard, an, I heard a voice from, from his mouth. And he, so he tells Paul, you will be a witness to him. Ever had somebody just kind of speak a voice of truth to you? Hey, you're going to be a witness. And, and you're going to be heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on his name, Jesus' name. So he tells them to get baptized. That's the importance of baptism. Baptism is not something that takes away your sin or saves you. Taught on this before. It's belief, then baptism, not baptism, and then I believe. Baptism is the public declaration. Kind of says it here a little difficult. Yeah, but the reason is, he tells the story in other places, Paul was already saved. He already was washed from his sin. It just happened. He just said it he recognized who Jesus was. And so it's important for us to be baptized as believers. That's another message I've spoken on before. But here we see Paul is just, or Saul, excuse me, is, is just he's right before the Lord. Ananias is being used in a small way to make an impact 
for the kingdom. He heard from God, Ananias did, and he followed after God. So go to the main point for this, please, if we can. People who are saved to serve, they assist. That that's, what, that's what Ananias is doing. Now his name, catch this, this is great. His name means gift of God. Was he a gift to God? He's a gift to God in furthering the gospel. He's a gift to God in the life of Paul. Man, we want to be like Ananias. We want to use our gifts and our abilities to serve the Lord to assist in spreading the gospel because we all play a part, no matter how big or small that part is, whether it's holding a baby or it's getting involved in students' lives. This is when I get into the infomercial for what's happening after the service. This is about being saved to serve. And so our team has come up with the top four areas of need at High Point. Let's go to the next slide. For our Serve Connect is right after the service. And so these are the top four service opportunities. These aren't the only ones. These are the ones that like, man, we really need some help. So will you permit me to give you these four? I don't care, because I'm going to tell you anyways. Because we need some stinking help. Because you've been saved to serve. Are you saved and not serving? Well, I'm saved and sitting. Well, that's what we don't want. Saved to first. The first thing is host teams. Hey, we need people. Did you know that people make a decision whether they're going to come back within the first seven minutes of getting out of their car? So could you people be nice to each other at the beginning of the service and have a smile and greet each other, please? I'm kidding, but it's true. We need some people to come here early, be part of a host teams, and help serve in that capacity. Second, we got an awesome children's ministry, don't we? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for those who are holding babies, watching your kids right now, teaching them some biblical truth, just like you're getting while you're here. Do you know what our vision is? I'll tell you what my vision is. It's been from the start that parents, it's hard, is it not? Parents, speak up. It's hard, man. This is hard. And so we want to give you 75 minutes of uninterrupted time with the Lord because you deserve it, don't you? Come on. The parents deserve it, don't they? They're just being pulled in all kinds of directions. And so we want you to be able to sit here and have your kids cared for, learning about Jesus while you experience God. But too many parents have to serve and they're not down here. So let's get off of our tails, behinds, other ways to say that, and let's help in that direction. Third area of service is student ministry. Um, I was just driving by this, um, it was like a, it was actually a golf, uh, it was a a country club, and they said, um, new management, and I I had been there before, I'm like, it wasn't that great. I'm like, that's good, but I don't know if I'm going to try it again. Our student ministry is under new management. It is. We got a new vision. We got some new, new leaders. We got a new pastor. I mean, we're excited about what's going. And so we want to invest in the next generation. New schedule, new opportunities, new content, new vision, new focus. We're, we're just really excited. So, I mean, there's no better place to pour yourself into than in the lives of some students. Fourth one is worship and production. So great opportunities on stage, behind the scenes, running a camera, using your gifts. Hey, how much talent do I need? Well, if 
you know, we'll train you to do some things. We have many different places that you can use your gifts musically and singing and playing an instrument in different contexts. This isn't the only service, but we want to train you and use your gifts for the Lord. So if we don't get some help here, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to start singing on the stage. I'm going to join the worship team. I'm going to join the, yes, and Tim, it's good to have Tim. It's good, it's good to have Jessica. I'm going to start singing with you guys next week if we don't get some people. And let me explain something. That is a threat. <laughs> These are the service opportunities. Don't, let's not lose this. You know, I, I've said this from the beginning of the church. If you're already doing this stuff, or you come from another church and you're hurting a bit, you need a break. Hey, you know what? Sit here for six weeks or six months and get healed. That's hard for you. Like, we're not pushing like that. But just know that there's going to come a time when we're going to tap you on the shoulder and then just we're going to say, Acts 22. And it's like, Paul said, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? And that was pretty quick. And so there's a time for all of us to get back in it, get back in the game. Good stuff? Third, fourth, two more characteristics of people who are saved to serve. People who are saved to serve, they allow God to lead. This is my favorite because they're going to let God lead. I told you a story of how I let God lead in my life and it changed the direction of my life. Um, Paul says in verse 17 of Acts chapter 22, he says, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, so he's letting God lead. And remember, he's blind. I, I fell into a trance. And, and, you know, Ananias is the one that helped him. And, and, and then the Lord says, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they're not going to accept your testimony about me. So he lost his sight. He regained his sight. God used Ananias to do all this. He's praying to the Lord. And, and God, God protects him. He gives him direction and he gives him protection. He's like, get out, get out, get out. Like, I just love that about this story. And I said, Lord, but they themselves know that, that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed them. Do you see that Paul never got over his past? Like it just, it was a burden on his heart. He truly repented and God forgave him, but it was still in his mind. And that drove him. That's why he said, I was the worst of all sinners. Your past is never an obstacle to God. It may be an obstacle to a friend of yours. It may be an obstacle to your parents. It may be an obstacle to even a pastor. It is never an obstacle to God. Your past is never an obstacle to an almighty God who forgives. Amen? Amen. Never. Yeah, I think that deserves a round of applause because why? Because we've all got a past. We've all got skeletons in our closet and God wants to use them for his glory. That's what Paul's doing. So Paul, he knows he's forgiven. He feels it. He senses it. I can remember a time in my life where it was like I did the worst thing that I thought I would ever do. And actually, God has used that for us to get into ministry and for us to be used to tell our story for his glory. And so we got to think about how God turns your worst failure and your biggest nightmare. Don't sit in it. Don't live in it. Let God heal you from it. That's the text. That's the story. That's what God is doing. And, and so he says, 
Uh, God says to him, go for, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Speak for me. Speak for me. Now, important thing, don't have enough time for this, but really important teaching on the gospel. The gospel just is not about God correcting you and him and reconciling you to him. Do we realize that? I didn't get a lot of buy-in on that. Do you realize that? It's not just about reconciliation between me and God. It's about reconciliation to one another. And that's the part the evangelicals don't get. I'm, I'm just being honest. So God's going to reconcile us. And then he, why is he sending in the Gentiles? Because the Jews hate the Gentiles. The Jews want to kill the Gentiles. I mean, God's bringing all people groups together under the heading of the gospel so that we're reconciled to him. And then that would give us the, uh, the, the ability to reconcile with each other. That's a value here. That's what we believe. We want to reconcile with each other. Because why? Because heaven's going to look a lot different than this church right here. All people of all nations and all tribes worshiping the Lord. That, that's, like, that's what we're going for. And so Paul's being led by God. Go back to the main point, please. Paul's being led, if you can get there, to... to to, he's, he's being saved to serve and he's allowing God lead. A uh, quick story, uh, I, I don't have all the details, but let me just get the main points. Um, woman in our church, uh, lover, she's awesome. She serves in a variety of capacities. Leaving church, um, driving home, raining. Uh, imagine that happening to you. Uh, I know exact road she goes on because that's the road I drive on. She sees a woman and she's walking in the rain. She passes her, she looks in a rearview mirror. She says, God, is there something you want me to do? She feels a prompting led by God to go back. She goes back. Again, don't have time for all the details. Crazy story. She rolls down her window. Oh, nobody has rolled down windows anymore, I hope. And so she puts her window down, and she says to the girl, and she finds out the girl's been walking for three miles. The girl's lost in more than one way. She's in need. So what does she do? She gets her a ride. I don't know exactly if she called Uber or whatever she did to get her to the place she needed to go. And then what did she do? She invited her to the church service. She came with her to church. She's now involved in church, plugged into a small group. Can we praise the Lord for his goodness and grace? Why? Because someone didn't have an excuse to serve. And so let me give you some excuses that we all make for not serving, for not being led by God. We're going to go through these. I don't have time. Do you think she had enough time? Maybe when she was driving and, you know, the Lord told her to stop, you know, I mean, maybe she had to rush to some appointment. You know what? We make time for the things that we want to do. It's true. You make time for your fantasy football league. You make time to get to the health club to work out. I mean, we make time for the things we want to do. We've been saved to serve, guys. There's nothing better to invest our time in. I believe God will bless us. It's another excuse we make. I'm not qualified. You know, Lisa could have said that. I'm not qualified to help this person. I don't have some counseling background. I mean, she's pretty messed up. She's in the, walking down the street in the rain for three miles. Hey, guess what? If you're not qualified, you're in the best company of the world. You know why? Because Acts chapter four, check me on this, is it says that the disciples were not qualified. They were untrained. And all it says to get them qualified and trained was they spent time with Jesus. So bow your heads right now and pray to the Lord for 30 seconds. You're ready. Third thing is this. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Hey, there's nowhere in the Bible where you can turn that says, go take this class to get your spiritual gift. And 
No, there's, it's not a class. You get involved. Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? And the Lord confirms the gifts because I believe the Lord doesn't give the gift for you to um, monopolize for yourself, but for the church to grow the kingdom. Fourth, I got a past and I'm not perfect. Have you been paying attention to this story? <laughs> Apostle Paul could have said that. I'm sure he did. Thought of himself as the worst. Lastly, fifth, um, oh, we got another one. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there was only four. Why does it say four then? Can we change that? <laughs> change that? Like, I'm on page here. Thanks for helping. Nobody ever asked me to serve. Well, I'm asking now. <laughs> so lastly, this is five qualifications, five characteristics to get you qualified to serve. Just got to spend time with Jesus. And so uh, this, people who are saved to serve, they abide in God's love. Abide means to make your home in. It says in, uh, this is all just screwed up. This is not what it's supposed to say. It says in, um, uh, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of God, the love of Christ controls us. Paul wrote that. So, so what's the motivation? It's the love. And why? Because we've concluded this. This one has died. Who's the one? It's Jesus. For all. And therefore, all have died. We've died with them. Our past has died. And he died for all that those who live, that's us, with the forgiven past, would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's our motivation. That we're to abide in his love. So I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. This is like the power close. So this is like the worship team is going to powerfully close us. They're going to stand up and they're going to make, they're going to shout. They're going to get us fired up and we're going to get fired up because we got a mission because we've been saved to serve. Are you with me? Yes. And so if you've been paying attention in this series, it's really easy. We show the characteristics. This is the character. We talk about people, but we want to scratch that at the end of the message and be like, oh, we're talking about everybody else and it's not personal. We're talking about the you people, some other people. I want to talk about you. We're personalizing it. So every week we do this. We personalize it. And so it's like, I want to personalize it this week differently. And so this is about people. Now it's about you. And so we're doing what I'm calling, I just named this, the High Point Service Oath. Jessica, you for it? I, I'm for it. Tim, you for it? We're for it. That doesn't sound like you're for it. Are you for it? That sounds like he's just catering to me. Okay, that's good. I actually, this is a funny story, which we don't have time for. I actually saw him and felt led by the Lord. No, he saw me and I was stranded and he picked me up. Thank you, Tim. Okay, um, let's get ready because what I'm going to do is I'm going to say it and then you're going to say it. And we're going to say it like we believe it. So repeat after me. Are you ready? That wasn't very good. Are you ready? And then we're going to sing. It's like a commissioning because we're in this together. Repeat after me. I've been saved to serve. So I admit my need for God. Hey, that's all we want to do is we want to help other people see that there's a God who saves. Repeat after me. I've been saved to serve. So I acknowledge Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Man, there's power in that. We got to say it. We got to believe it. It's personal. Hey, repeat after me. I've been saved to serve. 
So I will assist in spreading the gospel. How are you going to do it this week? In your family, in your circle of influence, with your friends, in our church, two more. Getting the hang of it? I've been saved to serve. So I allow God to lead. What if we would walk out of here with the people who had new eyes and fresh eyes to just allow God to use us the way he wants and not be worried about time and commitments because I believe that God's in control? What if we had more encounters like Lisa and we help more people for his glory? And lastly, and then this is what I'm just going to warn you. We're going to just start singing. So these guys are up. We're just going to sing. It's like Jessica's going to blow this thing out. And we're going to be like, whoa. So you guys move up a little bit. You guys like to stand back. Move up. I like to be together because I kind of feel like I'm a singer sometimes. And this makes me feel like I can sing. So are you ready? I've been saved to serve. So I abide in the love of God. Father, use this time, use this message, use this opportunity and this season for us to glorify you.